Well, welcome to Livingstone Church. I'm Pastor Scott, and those of you who are visiting with us, welcome. Um, it's a wonderful, beautiful Memorial Day weekend. And one of the things I was reminded of this Memorial Day is weekend is oftentimes people view this weekend as a chance to come and celebrate and have a lot of barbecues and, and eat a lot of good food. But we tend to forget what this weekend and why this weekend exists. Um, if to those of you who don't know me, I am came here out of the Army Chaplaincy, and I deployed with 520th Infantry Regiment to Iraq in IF 9 and 10. On that deployment, I lost five soldiers. This weekend, I would ask that tomorrow especially, you take time. If you're a grandparent, talk to your grandkids. If you're a parent, talk to your kids. Get together with your friends and neighbors. When you're barbecuing, when you're spending some time laughing and, and having fun and fellowshipping, take some time to remember our soldiers, sailors, marines, airmen, our police department has taken hits throughout this nation this year. Those that have fallen, and pray for their families, and pray that the Holy Spirit would powerfully speak and comfort, and that God's redemptive plan would be brought to fruition through these events. So we're going to take some time right now and just pray. Father God, I thank you that you are the God who is in control. That things that take place in this world, Lord God, are not outside of your control, but you are sovereign. And Lord God, I thank you for this weekend of, of fellowship and of gathering together with family and friends. Lord God, I just pray that we would take a moment to remember those that have fallen. And Lord God, I pray that we'd remember those families that are left without loved ones, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, daughters, sons. And Lord God, that as we run into folks, as we speak to folks that have lost loved ones, Lord, we would be compassionate, we'd be caring, we'd be loving. And we'd understand, Father, that you are in control and that you're using all things for the glory of your name. That we'd not, not despair, we need not be ashamed of our faith and be uncertain of your plan. Father God, we love you. We've come this morning to glorify your name and to praise your name alone. Lord God, we've come to exalt your name and to sing of your praises and to, to read the word, the glorious word of God that you have given to us and to study it together so that we might grow in our faith in you. That we might discover pockets of unbelief and, and, and Lord God, have the Holy Spirit speak to us that we might become stronger in you. And that we might be able to have our lives changed and pursue you more. We love you, Lord God. Thank you for this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified in all that is said and done in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please take your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 11. We're taking about, I think, somewhere in the neighborhoods of three months off from Matthew. And returning back there this morning going to spend most of the summer in Matthew, and we'll see what happens this fall. 
Matthew chapter 11, we're going to be looking this morning at verse 25 to 30. We're going to begin reading just above that, though, to give you some context in regards to what's taking place and the cause for Jesus' prayer. The book of Matthew is a Matthew about Jesus Christ as our King. Over and over in Matthew, we hear the references to the kingdom. We hear references to that the King Jesus Christ has come, and that since the kingdom has come and the King is present, that we are to repent, we are to turn from our sin, and we're to believe in Him. And in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse, we're going to begin verse reading this morning. <clears throat> Sorry about my throat's a little scratchy this morning. Verse 20. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it would be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you and you, Capernaum. Will you be exalted to heaven? Will you be brought down to Hades? For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who are labor and all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Father God, I thank you for the power of your word. It's refreshing and wonderful to return back to our study in Matthew. For us to contemplate that we see the partially realized kingdom right now, Lord God, is your church, your people saved by the power of God for the purpose of God. Your people called out people, Lord God, are present on this earth, are to reflect that the kingdom is reigning in their hearts and their lives. We're to reflect that the king has come and he will return again someday and the complete and full establishment of this kingdom will forever be present. But until that day comes, Lord, Lord, let us be found faithful in the study of your word. Let us be found faithful in the exaltation and praise of your name. Lord God, be with us this morning. Prepare our hearts for the Holy Spirit to work in us, the word of God to change us. We pray this in the almighty name of the Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
We'd been in country 15 days. Sergeant Edmiston and I had just come back from Chow. Gone back to our choose, short for combat housing units, to retire for the night. I put my PTs on and was getting ready to crawl on the sack and I got a knock at the door. Sergeant Edmiston, tears streaming down his face, said, sir, we've got casualties. We ran about two miles on a dead sprint to the hospital where they were being brought in. The first ones that were being brought in were those that were injured. Began to pray with them, speak with them, talk with them. Medics, doctors were doing a wonderful job of patching them up as tears were streaming down their faces knowing that their squad commander was dead along with one of the platoon sergeants. Finally, after they got the striker off of those two boys, they brought him in. As the battalion commander and I waited outside for their bodies to be brought in, I struggled deep in my soul. For I knew in the coming days ahead, soldiers would begin to ask themselves questions of why. The soldiers would begin to wrestle with why did this need to take place? Why did these boys need to die? And I knew I would have to stand in front of my battalion and the rest of the brigade. And from the Word of God, give an account unto why and to how there would be hope even in such dark days. It is the most gracious, wonderful, and compassionate gift our Father gives to us in a passage like Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. As I stood in front of that memorial ceremony, and from the Word of God began to give an account of the hope of God, it is from a passage similar to this that I spoke of hope that can only come from a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, this passage of Scripture, I believe, has been used and maybe misabused and abused in, in, in the history of the church. As people have come to talk about this passage as being a passage about physical rest and the need for Sabbath. But I think Jesus is driving at something so much deeper here in his prayer. And we see in a beautifully laid out way a Trinitarian approach to the redemptive plan for mankind. Matthew eleven twenty five to 26, we read at that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father. Jesus is praying to his Father. We have just read in previous verses here about a people who have rejected the mighty works of Jesus Christ. They have rejected, cities have rejected who Jesus Christ is and the works that He has performed. And, and He speaks a word of judgment upon them. 
And Jesus now prays to his Father, and he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to the little children. The Father's redemptive plan, the plan that, was, that has been in place before the foundation of this world, the plan that God had knowingly, he, when He created man, that they were going to rebel and sin, and God had it all worked out beforehand. One of the most sad things I've ever read was in a children's Bible that we would had in our home. It was given to us as a gift, and I felt guilty because I didn't realize the depth of disparity in the theology of that Bible until I opened it up and in Genesis account it speaks about Adam and Eve then Adam when he sinned it says and God was surprised by Adam's actions God was taken back that Bible that children's Bible found its way into the garbage (laughs) that's where it belonged you see, God had it all worked out. God knew Adam and Eve were going to sin. God knew they were going to rebel. God knew the angels were going to rebel against him. God knew it, yet he created them all for his glory and for his purpose. And God knew he had this redemptive plan. And the Father had this beautiful redemptive plan established in place. And Jesus Christ is praising his Father for this redemptive plan and the way in which it would be revealed. It wouldn't be revealed to the wisest of the wise or to the most understanding. Those people would see themselves as no, not needing any help. Those people would see themselves as discerning and as understanding. As they have got things figured out. They have reasoned and they have thought in their own minds that there is no need for God. There is no need for repentance. There is no need for confession. There is no need for anything to be, to something to take care of their sins. They've got it covered. But it's the children It's those who have this understanding that they have sinned and they have messed up, that this, to them, this beautiful plan will be revealed. And Jesus says, And yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Brothers and sisters, I had the privilege of listening to an apologist on Dallas Chapel service this week as I was working on cleaning out our house as we were moving. And he started chewing on future Dallas graduates and students and those who would listen to it. Started chewing on us a little bit. Chewing on us because he goes, how dare you think you need to justify God and his actions? How dare you think you need to explain away God and His mighty deeds, for it was His gracious will to reveal this plan of salvation to mankind in this way. It is in this way that His name and His name is glorified. And it is our job to study the Scriptures and understand His gracious plan and His gracious will. For it is beautiful and it is amazing. You see, in God's plan... The deaths of Sergeant Todd Selge, Sergeant Jordan Shea, Sergeant Israel O'Brien, Corporal William Yauk, and Sergeant John Sutherland 
can have hope and have meaning because in God's plan, God is working things out to redeem His children and to call His children unto Himself and that His name would be glorified. And we need not despair and we need not worry and we need not fear for our God is a great God and our God is a good God. And before the foundations of the world, He put a plan in place to redeem His people. And we can celebrate with great hope in His plan. Jesus prays and he thanks the Father for this incredible plan and the way in which it will be revealed. And then in verse 27, we see that the Redeemer, God the Son, Jesus Christ, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. This was the method in which we would know the Father. How do we know God the Father? Scripture tells us that we cannot know Father except through the Son. And we cannot know the Son except for the Son reveals us to understand and to know Him. It is God's purpose and God's plan to reveal Himself in such a powerful and such a wonderful way. It is through Jesus Christ that we have the understanding of who God the Father is, and it's through Jesus Christ that we have an understanding of this redemptive plan and purpose for mankind. It's just exciting stuff. This is beautiful. This is encouraging. This is why we can go to memorial services, why we can go and we can go to a Memorial Day celebration tomorrow. We can stand at Memorial Day parade and watch the flags go by and knowingly how many thousands of lives have been lost in defense of this country and going, you know what, God? You are a great God. You are a good God. And even in such dark days, there can be hope because your redemptive plan is being worked out. I don't understand it all. I see the tapestry from the backside, the snarls, the loose strings, the knots. I don't see the glorious picture from which you see and have it all worked out ahead. But I trust in my God. Brothers and sisters, I think sometimes that apologist who chewed on those who are listening to his service at Dallas is right on. Because when we encounter days like Memorial Day or days in which people start wrestling with death and sickness and illness and then evil exists in this world, we feel we need to justify God and we need to justify His plan. God is has shown himself through all of Scripture, his love, his might, and his power, his holiness, and his justice are always working for the glory of his name. And it is good for those who call upon his name as Lord. We need not be afraid. We need not fear that we are speaking of our faith in these hours. You know, I thought that. When I thought after giving that talk with the, in front of the memorial service, one of the hardest things I ever did, standing in front of those men, talking to them, and I thought, you know what, they're, after, after this is over, they're going to come up to me and they're going to say, yeah, right, chaplain, how can you speak of a good God? How can you speak of hope when my buddies are dead and their wives, you know, Delana Selge is at home with Dallas and Austin and she's going to end up raising those boys by herself. How can you speak of a good God? I thought for sure that was what's coming. But you know, when I got done, tears in her eyes, they're hugging me. Thank you for words of hope. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for not being afraid to share it with me because they knew that in the word of God is found 
found hope. It's found peace. And in the redemptive work of God and his plan is the only hope that we have in these days. That's what's so exciting as children of God. We need not be afraid to bring the word of God and to speak it in the dark moments, in the dark hours. Do not go silent. Do not go mute. Do not be afraid to speak of the hope of Christ because that's what they need to hear the most. Why do you think that the atheist movement and the military is trying to silence the word of God in prayer so much? This passage goes on. We see that Jesus reveals himself. Jesus calls to those who will be his children. And this is the call. It's an imperative. It's a command. Come to me. Look who he calls to himself. Don't miss this. He calls to himself, Come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden. Jesus calls to himself those who are weary, those who recognize that they're striving and they're laboring and they're heavy laden and they're burdened. Those who say, You know what? I'm good, I'm great, things are wonderful, I don't have a heavy burden, life is grand, I've got all that I need. Those are not who he's calling to himself. He's calling to himself those who recognize that they are without hope, without God. He's calling to themselves those who are heavy and burdened. And he says, I will give you rest. I will take that burden from you, that burden that you cannot carry, I will take from you. And the beauty of this passage is the call, the person, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is the one through which he makes this call to those who are without Christ today. The Holy Spirit reveals to those that are being called that they are laborious and heavy laden. They are toiling and they are striving and they are burdened. And he says, I will give you rest. How can Jesus Christ give them rest? He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, for those of us who didn't raise on a farm, we understand that's kind of what a yoke looks like, right? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The word here for learn is the same word, root word used for disciple. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. So what is he meaning here? What is, what is Jesus meaning here? For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Is this this picture of Jesus being kind of wimpy and, and Jesus is just kind of a pushover? Absolutely not. How did our, fir- our king first come? As the suffering servant. He took on the form of a man. Right? He became a man. He became the sacrifice for all mankind. He took on the form of a servant. He suffered for us. He bled for us. He died for us. 
He walked this earth. He was ridiculed. He was spit upon. He was laughed at. He was mocked. He was lowly in heart. He came down and he did this for us so that we don't have to bear this burden of our sin anymore. So that we don't have to labor in vain anymore. So that when we put this yoke upon, one, we're not taking it upon by ourselves, but our Savior has gone and taken the burden of sin from us. So that we can have rest. Folks, when we look in scriptures and when we study this understanding of rest, you look at Hebrews, you look at Matthew, when this understanding of rest is an understanding of spiritual rest. There can be no rest. There is no rest, scripture tells us, for the wicked. The rest is for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as the Savior, from whom Jesus Christ has revealed Himself as Lord. It is only then that we take upon the yoke that God, that Jesus Christ has given us, and we learn from Him that we can have rest for our souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This understanding of yoke is easy. If you look at this word, it carries with it the connotation is good. When we think of yoke, I don't know about you, seeing those oxen with that yoke upon them, you're thinking of being weighed down. You may be thinking of being burdened. But Jesus Christ is taking that burden from us. What does this mean? What is this understanding that we're supposed to, okay, I don't, I don't get this. You know, if he takes the yoke from us or he takes the burden from us, then why the yoke? Who are we tied to? Who is it that has given us this freedom from our burden? He has not given us this freedom from our burden, just to burden us once again. Because he has taken, he has come as the suffering servant to take his, our sin from us so that we might have freedom. The yoke is easy. The yoke is good in understanding that we are now called to be children of the Almighty God and to be obedient servants for Him. There is freedom. There is hope. There is this understanding that Christ is lifting us up. Christ is strengthening us. We are not going this journey alone. And His burden is light. We have been given this opportunity, this wonderful, powerful opportunity to serve God and not in a burdensome and in a laborsome way. And maybe some of you this morning are struggling with that. You're feeling that the burden of serving Jesus Christ is a heavy weight. You feel like maybe serving Jesus Christ or living the Christian life is a load that is too much to bear. And let me tell you something, if that is where you're at, if that is what you're feeling this morning, this passage is telling you that you're living not for the Lord, but you're living for something else because Jesus Christ has said, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. My yoke is good. It may be hard, but it is good. It may be, you may experience some weariness and some tiredness along the way, but God is the one that is restoring us and God is the one that is strengthening us. I look upon some of my friends who are not yet believers and I see them toiling and I see them laboring. 
then I see the weight, the spiritual weight that is upon them, and they're oppressed. And I desire so much for them to understand it. It is in Jesus Christ that we have been set free. That the burden of sin no longer needs to be our burden, but a burden that Christ took for us. And we can have hope, and we can have peace, and we can have joy. That in God's redemptive plan, He is working this out in our lives. And it's not just the point of salvation, but it's continually. Because as, as Christians, what we like to do, we, we understand and we grow in our relationship with God and we continue to strive and learn more about God and grow in our understanding of Him. But every once in a while, we like to pick that burden back up. We like to take those things back on. We like to have our idols in our lives and we like to serve ourselves and we try to like to, we pick up that sin burden once again. And Jesus Christ is saying, you know what? Lay that sin down. Lay that aisle down and serve me for you're striving, you're toiling, you're, you're struggling because you've stopped following me and pursuing me in all of life. Let it go. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, what this passage is not saying is it's not saying that the Christian life is, is a bed of roses. The Christian life is just a walk in the park. I've heard that. Just trust in Jesus Christ today as your Savior, and the rest of life will be just wonderful and free of trouble and free of hardship and free of... And I'm not going to do that to you. Because that's a lie. Okay? Because it is in the midst of our hardships. It's in the midst of our struggles. It's in the midst of those things that God is redeeming us and is working His redemptive plan out on us. You see, even in the midst of the hard times, though, our burden is still light because we no longer have the sin burden placed upon our shoulders. Even as we struggle and even when we toil, and as we fight for the Lord and we serve Him, it's not like we're carrying a rucksack of sin on our backs. That rucksack has been dropped at the cross. We get to toil for Jesus Christ. And that toiling and that laboring... It's not in vain. It's for God's glory and it's for His kingdom work. I wonder where we're at this morning as we contemplate, as we think about traveling this with the Lord. I wonder if in our hearts we are struggling thinking, you know what, this is really a hard journey. You know, coming through these last series that we've done, spending some time with Christy this last weekend, going through a move. Um, had kind of a sobering thing happen this weekend. So we're, we're in a rental right now, and the rental's for sale. And um, they showed it for the second time to two different people on Saturday. Christy called me. My first reaction was was not a good one. <laughs> one, we got to leave the house and we got to go find something to do. So the first one came in and we find fine. We'll go to the park and throw the football and hit some baseballs around and play around with the girls and just have a good time. So we went to the park and had a great time. We come back, Jenny settled down, pull out my computer, going to put the finishing touches on my slides, right? Get ready for Sunday morning. Christy calls me. I don't have long to talk. I got an ambulance coming in. She's working in the ER. But the, the, the realtor needs to come show the house again. 
Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. I turn to Ethan, and I tell him, and Ethan's like been texting back and forth with Ashley Oswald about the softball game. Our, our girls' varsity softball team was in their um, the conference championship game yesterday. I said, well, they've made it to the championship game? He goes, yeah. He goes, what time does that start? And I said, he goes, 3 o'clock. I looked at the clock. It was 1.50. It was down in Cashmere. I was like, all right, we'll go to that. And you know what? A blessing. We got out of there, went down there, hung out with the Gallops, hung out with some of the softball parents, hung out with the Gleesmans, hung out with the Oswalds, and we're just sitting out there having a great time watching the girls just kick the tar out of OMAC, 13-1. They're off. They're going to state. It's really cool. Ashley Oswald, if you see her, give her a high five. She's the only freshman on that team. It's pretty good. And she can play ball. But you know what? I was sitting there. I'm going, Lord, I, I'm very upset. I'm very angry. I'm kind of mad that we're having to leave this house, Lord. What if this house sells? We're going to have to move again. My muscles hurt. I've been moving all week. I'm tired. Okay? I don't want to do this again. Lord, what are you doing? What is your redemptive plan? And it was like God hit me over the head as we're driving down, as we're coming back from Kashmir, and we're rocking out in the car, and we're having fun, and I'm just laughing with the kids, and we'd gone to Sonic and had some junk food, and was just having a great time. So I need to confess my eating. Yes, well, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, but, you know, we're driving back, and we're having a great time, and in my heart, I'm just going, Lord, thank you. And I felt like God was just teaching me and showing me from the Word. My redemptive plan, Scott, is that my burden is light. I don't care how many times you have to meet. It may be hard. It may be, but guess what? You're set free from your sin. And I'm going to use those moves this summer. I'm going to use how many times I'm going to have to move you. I don't care. To redeem you. To work out my redemptive plan in your life and in your wife's life and in your kids' lives. Because I want you to trust in me. I want you to completely trust in me for all aspects of life. Because my burden is light. My yoke is easy, and I am a trustworthy God. God really has to teach me some tough lessons this summer. So I may help share that load of teaching with you, call upon you as you help me move again and again this summer. Um, we'll share that burden together, together make that load light. Um, but in all seriousness, God's redemptive plan for our lives, the plan that the Father submitted, wasn't just for the point of our salvation, but it was, it was so that we would grow in our salvation, that we would be sanctified. You see, Jesus Christ, I've said it before, I'll say it again, Jesus Christ was going to present His church mature before the Father. But in order for us to get mature, we've got to go through some times. But as we're going through those times, recognize that God is with us that God has taken the burden of our sin and that we, yes, it may be hard, but He is with us and He is working His plan of salvation out in our lives so that we might grow in Him. You see, it's still a yoke. It's still this idea that we need to be obedient to God and that we need to be pursuant of Him. He doesn't save us from our sins so that we can just go live frivolous lives and, and live lives completely unabandoned in sin. No, He sets us free from our sins so we can pursue Him in every area and aspect of our lives. Trusting Him for the place where we live. Trusting Him for the jobs that we have. Trusting Him in every relationship. Trusting Him in our, in our jobs and in our finances.
give you one more example. Just God just teaching our family something. Christy was called in by the CEO and the CFO and the human resources person at the hospital. And she was getting paid pretty well. It was a blessing. But the hospital, you know, has got to watch some pennies here and there. And so they gave her $20 an hour pay cut. But they want to keep her around, and so they're, they're working with it. We just can't afford to pay you that much, but we could pay you this. But we want to do some other things for you, but we really don't want you to leave. It wasn't because she'd done anything wrong. It wasn't. It was just because of the financial situation. There have been people that have been laid off. There's some other things going on at the hospital. And so Christy's just, we're just going, okay, God, what are you doing here? We, that really hurts financially. And so they come back to her, and we said, well, we're going to give you every Monday in the clinic, and we're going to give you 48 hours in the ER guaranteed every month. And we're going, that, that can't be enough. So Christy, we started looking at our other options and resources. And Christy goes, man, I just need to sit down and do the budget. So we prayed, and she sat down and did the budget and come back. And she's got this huge grin on her face. And she goes, i got to just share this with you. That's exactly what we need. You see... God is continuing to use those things to redeem us, to work out his love and his, his plan for our lives. He uses those things to show us his goodness, his greatness, his gloriousness, and his graciousness. God is still working in each one of our lives. And we don't have to sit there and say, oh, woe is me. This is too much for me because God is walking right alongside of us. And He has taken the burden of sin from us so that we can see Him working in every area of our lives. So when tragedy happens, and it will happen, we need not be afraid We need not fear that we need to give excuses for God. But rather we can offer up the hope of the Word of God and the encouragement that we get from His Word and from being in relationship with Him. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, I thank You for this morning. Father, I thank You that You are good great, gracious, and glorious God. That we need not be in fear. We need not take control of our lives back. We need not fear others. We need not worry about tomorrow. Lord, I just pray that as we could re-enter the book of Matthew, that we'd start reading back through the book again and we'd begin to discover the truths that the kingdom of God is inherited by those who are, who are broken. The kingdom of God is for those who, who are meek. And Lord, it's for those that we surrender our lives saying we are a broken people, a spiritually bankrupt people in full need of the grace and the gloriousness of God. And as apart from God's grace, we have nothing. 
Nothing to offer, nothing to bring to the table. This is all incredible gift of Jesus Christ. And because of this gift, because of this beautiful redemptive plan that God has set in motion before the time began, revealed through His Son, Jesus Christ, the call is issued by the Holy Spirit to come. All who are heavy and burdened and Christ, the Redeemer, will give us rest. Our souls will know peace because of the gracious, powerful work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that does not know rest, does not know peace, Lord God, that where they're at right now, you would convict their hearts. That they would begin to understand by the power of the Holy Spirit that they are sinners in need of the Savior, Jesus Christ. There's nothing that they can do to earn right standing before God. And Father God, may all of us, as we as your children take this yoke upon us, as we desire to do the good work of God, the beautiful, powerful, wonderful work of the kingdom, that we would keep that rucksack of sin off of our backs by continually confessing and repenting and turning away from our sin as the Holy Spirit reveals other areas of our lives of unbelief and of idolatry. And may we pursue you, Father, and serve you, excited, having rest and having peace in our hearts. For you are glorious. And this is all possible because of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do, his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Have a glorious Sunday and a wonderful week.